I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and man, oh man, did I not expect to be talking about a Rays losing streak after a weekend series at Camden Yards. But that's where we are as the Rays were swept by the Baltimore Orioles over the weekend right after losing both games in Atlanta against the Braves. Now the Rays carrying a five-game losing streak and a four-and-six record 10 games into the season. Joining me to break all that down and maybe give Rays fans some hope coming out of this off day on Monday is Brian Menendez. Brian, when I when I reached out to you about hopping on the show this week, were you expecting to be talking about a series loss, let alone a series sweep? Um, no way. Well, first of all, Brett, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I think when we talked about uh, me being on, I think the race still had a winning record. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting to be on the other side of a sweep from the Baltimore Orioles. But you know what? Here we are. Um, so let's, let's, let's talk about it. You know, things seemed – it was not that – you know, it was only a few days ago I messaged you on Slack, and I was like, hey, man, you want to hop on? The Rays are in the middle of a winning streak. I'm like, oh, it's going to be great. They're going to be on top of the AL East by the end of the weekend. You're going to see Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now again. Things are going to be all sunshine and roses. And that just wasn't the case. And, and honestly, that's baseball. Uh, you know, in a 60-game season, it stings a little bit more because, you know, you're not playing the Orioles for 18 games. You only got seven more games against them. That's a lot less chances to come back and win the season series. But I, overall, I don't think Rays fans should be too worried about the team or, you know, hitting the panic button yet, especially with expanded playoffs. Uh, I think the Rays are still in a pretty good position. They just need to turn things around. So let's jump into it. In game one, uh, the Rays dropped it 6-3. to three. Blake Snell made his second start. And at the beginning of the game, I thought looked pretty good uh, until he gave up a couple of home runs. Uh, his final line, three innings pitched, gave up four hits, three earned runs, did strike out four, and didn't walk anybody, uh, which is good to see. And then uh, the bullpen, well, for the most part, did, did pretty well. You got some good outings out of guys like Andrew Kittredge, Aaron Loop, uh, Diego Castillo came in for an out. And then, and then Ryan Thompson pitching multiple innings out of the bullpen again. He goes two innings uh, and gives up just a run. Uh, Brian, a guy like Thompson, who I don't think many – I mean, that was probably the biggest surprise out of, out of summer camp. Uh, one was that Daniel Robertson didn't make the team originally until Castillo went on the paternity list. But another one that was Thompson was included. He's 28 years old, making his big league debut. What have you seen out of Thompson so far? Has he impressed you? And do you think he will play a role in this team moving forward? Yeah, I mean, he, he's kind of been this unsung hero coming out of the bullpen. Um, he's been asked to pitch in a lot of different roles so far. They seem to have been trusting him right away in some leverage situations that he, you know, he's, he's been delivering so far. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, you know, of course, it's hard to believe in a, you know, 28-year-old fringe guy making his major league debut, but I, you know, there, there's no reason for me to believe. 
believe that he can't continue what he's doing um, so far. So those are some things that you love to see. And it's just it's one of those another one of those examples and evidences of, you know, the Rays just, you know, seeing something in a guy that, you know, maybe other people didn't see in it or just, you know, the Rays just reluctant to give up on somebody and you know, uh, just bearing the fruits of it. Um, I like what I've seen so far, and I hope it continues for sure. Yeah, he's got a little bit of an unorthodox delivery. I think he's played an important role, and with you know the, the way this season has gone, I, I love that the Rays have another option for a guy to go multiple innings out of the bullpen. I think that's huge. He's not going to be a lights-out guy. He's not going to pitch in a lot of high-leverage situations, if any at all, but he's going to be able to eat innings for you. And again, that's really important when you've got you're trying to ramp up pitchers like Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now, and they're not going to be able to go six innings or you know really. You know, really, they're not going to be able to go four or five, at least for the first few weeks of this season. You saw Snell go three here in, in, in this game and, and work into the fourth. Um, but it's really good to see Thompson be able to eat those innings and, and overall be a, be a successful pitcher doing it. Uh, Ray's offense was really shoddy again. You, you picked up some hits. You had, uh, you know, Brandon Lau picked up a home run, his first of the season. He had a pretty good weekend in Baltimore, and he's had a pretty good start to the season. And I'm constantly picking on our, our colleague at D-Rays Bay, Jim Turvey, uh, for his Brandon Lau hate. Uh, doesn't think that the plate discipline uh, – you know, th- thinks that Brandon Lau's plate discipline really brings him down as a player. And I've always said the power makes up for it, especially at the second base position. Um, but – Really, Brandon Lau has been the most consistent and the only consistent hitter in the Rays lineup uh, so far this season. Brian, you've been impressed with what Brandon Lau has been able to bring to the plate? I've been impressed with Brandon Lau since, you know, he has come up and had any sort of time in the big leagues. Um, For a guy who's going to be a power hitter, yeah, I mean, you wish he walked more. Um, but like you're saying, I mean, I think think the power makes up for it, um, especially when you're talking about a guy who's, you know, going to play second base and uh, predominantly in, you know, some, some corner outfield. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the play discipline, you know, like I said, could be better, but he's had an age where it's going to be a little while before the, those skills really start to deteriorate. Um, so with that said, I think Brandon Lau is, is, is fine for now. It's not like we're talking about a guy in his early 30s. You know, Brandon Lau, is a, he's, he's a younger guy. So I'll take the strikeouts. I'll take the lack of play discipline as long as he gets They'll hit the ball hard. Yeah, I, I, I agree. With, I'm cool yeah, with it. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of room for improvement, and, and you mentioned it. And, and this game it was a frustrating one because we knew Alex Cobb might give the Rays hitters some trouble. Ultimately, he pitched okay through four innings, gave up two runs, walked three, struck out two. Then it was the Orioles' bullpen that, that really shut things down. Uh, Tanner Scott, Michael Givens. Uh, Tampa product. Cole Sulser, an old friend, former Ray, uh, pitched uh, the last inning yeah. of the game and, and, and closed it out. And I don't know. It's it, it feels like what uh, the Rays' offense. We know it's not a great offense. We know they're not going to come out there and hit like the likes of the Dodgers, the Twins, and the Yankees. They're going to be led by their pitching and by their defense. But to this point, and there were two errors in this game: one by Willie Adamas, another by G-Man Troy. The defense is letting them down. Pitching hasn't been great either, but I think I don't think it's been bad. Uh, the, the defense is really what, what's struggling here, and, and, it, and it ultimately led to, to a raise loss. Uh, Brian, Willie Adamas, he's picked up quite a few errors, four or five already on the young season. 
I'm not worried about Adamas. And shortstops are going to have errors because they get more balls hit to them than pretty much every, any other position on the field. Or, should Rays fans be worried about Adamas? Um, not at all. To be honest with you, Brett, I, I don't. I don't put a ton of stock into the error column, and the reason why is because you know we we have this stat for defensive displays, but we don't necessarily have a stat for you know defensive plays that other guys in that position for other teams are not making. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. So definitely, you know, yeah, Willie Thomas, he you know, with, with the glove, I think he's better than anybody. I think the issue that he runs into is that he just has this proclivity to bounce balls to first base. And I will die on the hill that the first base scoop is the hardest play in all of sports. Um, <laughs> so when you, when you put your first baseman in that position enough times, I mean, yeah, G-Man Troy, he's, he's going to boot some balls. He's going to, some of the, some of those, some of those low throws are going to get by him. Um, but when the ball is hit to Willie Adamas, um, I, I, I'm not nervous. Um, I think he proved it last year. He kind of had the same issue with low throws. But, you know, more times than not, he's going to get to more balls and more shortstops. Um, he's going to glove more balls and more shortstops. Um, he's, you know, he's just, I, I'd rather him make low throws than high throws. Um, Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. You know, yeah, that, you know, that, that's, that's, you know, in an ideal world, he gets to every ball that he gets to, and he makes good throws. But, you know, we don't live in an ideal world. So we have to kind of live with the low throws for now. Hopefully he gets better. Um, but like I said, yeah, I, I, I don't think Rays fans have to really worry about anything with Willie Adamas' defense because, yeah, he's going to make some errors, but he's making plays that other shortstops are not making. Um, so I think that's important to remember. Uh, yeah. That doesn't show in any stat column, but um, it's you know it, it's there. Certainly, and and the thing with throwing, you know, anyone can make the throw from shortstop to first. It's not about ability. A lot of times, I always believe that it, it, it's a mental thing. We always talk about the mental aspect uh, in the game of baseball. Anyone can make the throw, and it's it's probably in your head. Or, you know, and you get caught up in the heat of the moment in the game if you're missing that throw from first base. I could go out there at shortstop and make the throw to first base. Um, but if I'm, you know, in a game time situation, things become a lot more difficult. Again, there's no reason to, to worry with Adamas. And he had a bit of a slow start defensively last season. And by the end of the year, uh, you know, he was one of the better defensive shortstops in the American League, one of the better shortstops in general in the American League. And again, this is a short year. In some, like the Rays didn't play an exhibition game which I think is important to note in summer camp and they hadn't played competitive games and compet- I'm using the word competitive very lightly here, you know, since spring training, which was, you know, a season ago, uh, really crazy to think about. So not as many of those game opportunities to, to work the kinks out, especially defensively for the Rays. And it sucks because you can't, they can't use that as an excuse. Everyone else is playing right now too. Uh, but I think it's what the Rays are dealing with now. And ultimately I think it's something they're going to get out of game two. Uh, uh, we all know did not go better for the Rays. It was closer though. They dropped this one five to four after 11 innings. So we got to see the 2020 extra inning rule uh, in place again. I'm saying 2020 extra inning rule because I'm really, really, really hoping that this does not extend past 2020. Not a fan of the rule, uh, but the Rays dropped this game five to four had opportunities to, to win this game. Uh, you had Tyler Glass now get the start. He go, he went four and two thirds through 88 pitches. I think that's a sign that, you know, he, he worked into the fifth inning and he got up to 88 pitches that the, he's very close to being fully ramped up 
or at least the Rays think he is. He struck out five, walked three. There's some control issues there, I think, with Glass now. Um, but after him and Richards, who got hit around a little bit, the bullpen did what the bullpen does. Uh, Nick Anderson threw a clean inning, followed by Diego Castillo, and then Oliver Drake, Chaz Rowe. Uh, you know, got a little bit unlucky. Anytime pitchers are coming in, having to, you know, start an ending with a guy in second, that's not really a fair scenario. Uh, and the Rays had a lot of chances that they just stranded in this game, including in extra innings. Brian, uh, the, the ability for the Rays to to execute and to and to take their chances when they get them, they're getting a lot of guys on base. What needs to happen there? Uh, you know, I, I think, Brett, it's just uh, a, an issue of execution, and I think it's more of an issue of just the happenstance of the game situation and the outcomes of certain at-bats. I think if the Rays continue to get guys on base um, and continue to give themselves more chances, um, they're, they're going to start cashing in on those opportunities. It's, it's, it's like, it's like a, you know, if, if a hitter is – you know, just hitting blistering line drives that are right at guys, you know, you have to think that at some point those line drives are going to start falling or get mm -hmm. in between guys. Um, so I feel the same way when it comes to these, these chances they're getting, you, you know, you, you wish that they would, you know, uh, cash in on these opportunities more consistently, obviously. Right. Um, but the fact that they're having opportunities to score, I think that's the thing that we have to remember the fact that they're not executing right now, um, I think that's not as important. Um, but again, I mean, you, you, you wish they didn't get swept by the Orioles. Let's, let's just make that clear. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but again, as long as they continue to have the opportunities, they, at some point, the execution is, is going to start happening. It's just not happening right now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we, we could talk a lot about the whole uh, hitting with running and scoring position. It usually works itself out. And then and the worrying part about this season is it's a much smaller sample size. It's about a third of the season. So if you're getting unlucky yeah. or you're not getting any hits at the right moment, it's not going to iron itself out, or at least it won't as quickly. And you just don't want to see what happened to the Rays this weekend. The, the base running also in this game on Saturday, Saturday really hurt. You hit into two double plays in extra inning, one in the 10th and one in the 11th, and neither were from ground balls. Uh, you had Yoshi, uh, he hit a fly ball to left field that G-Man Choi decided to tag on, was thrown out quite easily, and then to end the well, – not to end the game, but to go to the bottom of the 11th, uh, Manuel Margot hit a liner to the right side of the field uh, caught by the first baseman and Kevin Kiermeyer. Can't put all the blame on him. It was hit to a wide open right side of the field – but didn't freeze, started leaning towards third base and was an easy double play. And these chances, and we've seen it specifically with Kiermaier. Uh, he had the, uh, the ugly slide a few days ago where he thought it was a foul ball and, and he just caught, caught, you know, caught stealing easily. And then again here on the double play. Are we chalking these things up to early in the season, early in a weird season, where they just didn't get to work these kinks out in, in summer camp or in spring training? Or is there something deeper here? Like Kevin Kiermaier, he's been with this team longer than any other player. These are not the mistakes that you want to see out of, out of, a, out of a veteran leader on this team. Yeah, I think, I think with Kiermaier, I think it's just it's, it's two mental mistakes 
that are clustered together at the beginning of the season. Um, so I think all of that kind of gets amplified. With G-Man Choi, I mean, yeah, he was thrown up by, you know, by, by, by quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I don't hate the aggressiveness because sometimes, you know, these, these games are decided by one run. So you just, sometimes you just you want to move the runner over, get him in, um, bring in a guy. The, the guys who are pitching in late innings are more likely to be guys who can get a lot of strikeouts. So sometimes one run makes that difference. You, you know, you know, you, you bring in a bullpen guy who, you know, throws high nineties and he's, he can strike out the side. So the runner on second doesn't matter. So I don't mind the aggressive base running. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree that, you know, the, the, the mental mistakes, you know, you, you got to know if the ball is fair or foul. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, in, in literally, in literally we learned to freeze on a line drive. You know, these are, these are mental errors um, that I think, you know, with, with time will fix themselves. Like I said, I think the combination of it being early in the season, the combination that they're uh, happening so close together, I think that kind of amplifies it. And we saw it, we saw it last year a little bit with uh, when Tommy Pham was on the team, you know, when he, he would make a couple of run, uh, base running bl- uh, blunders within like a week's worth of games. Yeah, um, late in yeah. the game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and then he would just, he would go months with, without one. So I, I, I think these things are, are, are going to happen. Um, like I said, I, I think just the fact that it's early in the season and they're just so clustered together, it makes it seem worse than it is. Um, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully the mental errors fix themselves, but I don't mind the aggressive base running in the later innings. Like I said, one run, that, that run is so important. One run could decide the game. Um, so, yeah. I'll push back a little bit on the Troy thing because it was a tie game. It was in the 10th inning. There was nobody out at the time, right? So Sutugo flies out to left field. Troy could stay there. He's already in scoring position. I know he's not the quickest guy, so he's not going to score on any base hit. But he could stay there. You've got Jose Martinez and Brandon Lau coming up next. Both of those guys ended up drawing walks and keeping the inning alive. Who knows how the inning would have played out if he had already been at second base. I'm not a huge fan of trying to get moved from second to third. I think you're already in scoring position. Let the hitters do their thing. and You have a pretty good chance of scoring the run. Again, I don't mind the aggressiveness either, but at some point you, like, there's got to be a right or a wrong time to be aggressive in a right or wrong scenario. If he was trying to you know, get from first to second, that's another thing. Take, going from second to third, in my opinion, doesn't improve your chances of scoring a run by enough to where it's worth risking it especially with, you know, you saw the ability for Martinez and Lau to, to draw walks and, and keep the inning alive. But ultimately, it ended w- with no runs. And then uh, you, you forced, you know, you had to go 11 innings. Your pitching staff had to get you back into the 11th where you had another opportunity and, and with starting with the runner on second, and, and it, was, it was blown too. Um, but like you said, uh, these things happen. And if, when they're clustered, they're a lot more noticeable. And it, we're probably not going to point it out. If a runner, say G-Man Troy, gets third in that same situation a week from now, you know, we're going to remember the time he got caught uh, or, or thrown out, but we're not going to note as quickly the time where he takes that extra base successfully and ends up, you know, maybe creating a run for the Rays. Uh, it was just frustrating. And when you're losing, you notice the frustrating things more. Uh, and I think that's important to note. Moving on to Sunday's game, where I thought yeah, for I, sure the yeah, Rays were going to yeah, win. I, yeah, well, but, yeah, but before, yeah, before we move on, yeah, I definitely see the other side of the Troy thing. Um, I just, I also think that we're 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 kind of still learning the strategy of the the runner on second base rule. 
Um, so not to say those type of mistakes are excusable, but um, I think that until we kind of get a real feel for how we're going to play these situations, I think those things are going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love the pushback. Uh, I definitely see the other side of it. Um, I like to err on the side of aggressive base running, especially with the guy on second base role. Um, but yeah. And, and also to your point with how shoddy the Rays offense was, you don't know when you're going to get those hits and, and they, and they've been that way for a couple, you know, for the first few weeks of the season, first couple weeks of the season. So you want to put yourself in a position where a ground ball might drive you in or another fly ball would drive you in. I, I understand it. Uh, and, and if he had, you know, gotten in safely, it wouldn't have mattered. The race probably would have went on to win the game. Um, but alas, they did not. And going into Sunday, I, I thought for certain they had to win. They're facing Tommy Malone, a guy who doesn't throw more than a hit. I mean, his fastball's slower than Ryan Yarbrough's. doesn't get much slower than that. And we're going to talk about Ryan Yarbrough a little bit later on. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a veteran lefty who's never really been any good. Uh, wears number 69 uh, and had a real nice performance against the Rays <laughs> on Sunday. Went five innings, gave up just one run, struck out eight Rays batters, and didn't walk a single guy. I mean, this can't happen against pitchers like this if you want to be a postseason team. And again, I'm still confident the Rays are going to be in the postseason. But you can't let a guy like Tommy Malone, who would not be in really probably any other rotation except for maybe the Marlins, and that's for more reasons than one right now in the big leagues. You can't let him come out there and go out there and strike out eight batters in five innings. Um, it, <laughs> it's not ideal. Yeah, there's not really much else I can say. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to be, I hate to be the guy who questions the effort of the team um, because, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think that's what's going on. Right. Um, but I think Darby said it best in the Slack channel today. Um, the games did like the series just didn't seem very competitive. Um, it just didn't look like competitive baseball from the Rays. Um, again, I don't think I like, I'm not going to say it was a matter of effort because I don't think, it was a matter of effort. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you, you, you wish, you know, after the series with the Blue Jays and, you know, the way that they played the Braves, I mean, I know the losing, the losing streak started against the Braves. Um, you would think that no matter how they're playing good or bad, they would come into Baltimore and just, you know, light them on fire. And that's just the opposite of what happened. The Orioles lit them on fire. Um, like I said, it, it's, it's not ideal, but um, I'm not, I'm not super worried. The Rays are going to mix and match and platoon until they find what works. Um, so it's, it, it's, it's going to happen. Like I said, it's the beginning of the season. We, we've, we've been here before. Um, yeah. <laughs> 2011, I want to say the Rays got off to a terrible start, like 0 and 8 or something like that, made the playoffs. Um, 2018, again, um, got off to a bad start. The team wasn't even expected to be any good. Right, they had just traded Evan Longoria and uh, Steven Souza and Corey, DFA Corey Dickerson. So not only did that team start out bad, but everybody expected them to be bad, and that's a team that won 90 games. So I'm not worried about the start. Like I said, everything just gets amplified, and even more so that the, that we're in a 60 game season and we have this, you know, MLB version of an existential threat with what's going on outside of it. Um, 
And inside of it. Yeah. Yeah. And inside of it. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if this team has one thing is depth, so if something's not working, they can shuffle guys in and out. So, you know, you know, not, not to say that everything is going great, but you know, I'm not, I'm not super worried. I would give it a, I would probably give it another 10, 10 games before I start to say, you know, Hey, something's not working out here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. And you, you mentioned the raised depth. And I want to talk a little bit about Yanni Chirinos. And we're going to get into Jalen Beeks right after him. Uh, eight and two thirds innings so far this season, giving up uh, just one earned run. It was on a home run, uh, and, and it looks really good. The sinker was working today. He did give up one home run to Renato Nunez, um, but not in a, in a great pitcher by any means, uh, but a guy that I think the Rays are really, really lucky to have as their you know, number four or five starter. I know him and Yarbrough can kind of be interchangeable, um, but – the, the fact that the Rays can rely on him and still have Brendan McKay technically behind him in the packing order right now. I know Brendan McKay, you know, tested positive and is just getting back into the swing of things and could, you know, play into the rotation at some point this season. Um, but for the Rays to have a guy like Torinos who's so effective and has got such a nice sinker, you, you look at how many Rays pitchers get, you know, show up on pitching ninja and, and Yanni Torinos is one of them with that, yeah. with that sinker yep. ball. So the Rays are just blessed to have a pitching staff like this uh, where, where they can, where they can turn to a guy like him. And we mentioned Ryan Thompson earlier about a guy that can provide multiple innings out of the bullpen to help eat up some of these innings early on in the season while pitchers are still getting ramped back up. Another guy that's played in this role really since he got to the Rays, I think he made one start in a Rays uniform. That's Jalen Beeks. And he's kind of been the talk of, uh, some parts of the Rays fandom on the internet. I don't know if everyone's giving him the time that he deserves, but the strikeout stuff is through the roof early on in this season. Now, a couple other parts of his games have struggled, but I think he's been pretty good so far relative to what we should expect out of Jalen Beeks. Brian, talk to me a little bit about Beeks and why Rays fans may or may not be excited to, to see him moving forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy it's easy to look at what Jalen Beeks is doing right now with, you know, his, his strikeout rates, almost 50%, his swing and miss rates, you know, in the forties uh, of, of percent, it's easy to look at that and say, Oh, you know, small sample size, this is, you know, smoke and mirrors, but um, to kind of give you a preview, I'm going to publish something this week about all of the mechanical adjustments that Jalen Beeks has made from last year to this year. Um, and his pitch movement and pitch mix, he has completely ditched his curveball. Um, and he has he, – he basically has learned the Colin Poche invisible fastball. Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the basis of what I'm going to post this week. It, it, it's really interesting. Um, of course, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to maintain a 50% strikeout rate because that would be absolutely ludicrous. Um, but I think it's reasonable to think with the adjustments that he's made that he's going to miss a lot more bats this year. And especially considering that Colin Poche is not going to be on the team this year, 
I think that I know he's in, I know Beeks is in a multi-innings role right now, but I think that if this continues and he continues to miss a lot more bats, I, 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 I'm, this is going to be a hot take, but I think that he can slide into a high leverage, uh, you know, middle, middle to late innings type role. Um, I think his stuff has been that good so far. Um, and you guys are going to read about it this week. I'm really excited for it to go up. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think Jalen Beeks is legit. Um, I think he's going to be a big part of this bullpen. Um, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do from here on out for sure. Yeah, me, me too. And that should be a really exciting piece to read over on com. You know, you look at Beeks, 15 strikeouts, just two walks so far on on the season and I, and I like the idea that he could fit into some more higher level situations jose alvarado uh, hasn't been bad and i think he's still getting into the season but hasn't had the best start to the season in terms of of control and command and being affected in those high leverage situations and maybe beaks if you're looking for another left-handed pitcher can play into that role especially if looking ahead into the future if brendan mckay gets up onto the active roster and you're trying to find a spot for him. Maybe he's not starting right away. Uh, and maybe Beeks, you know, maybe McKay takes that multi-ending role and Beeks, uh, you know, gets pushed into some higher leverage situations. I'd love to see it. I've been impressed with him thus far and I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. Now, bringing back a segment uh, from last year when, uh, when I started Raise Your Voice, it's the player of the week. Now, I usually, I think last year I did a position player of the week and a pitcher of the week. Uh, so far at this point, I'm just going to stick to one because there's one guy that I think really needs to be talked about, and that's Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, how good has he been to start the season? 11 2 thirds innings pitched across two starts, just two runs given up. Uh, and I want to I mention another piece over on dracebay.com. JT Morgan wrote one that talks about you know Yarbrough's success and how he's not the prototypical major league pitcher in 2020. You know, like I mentioned Tommy Malone, and now Yarbrough's fastball's got a little bit more bite than Malone's does. Uh, but it is not one of these guys that can bring it in the you know mid to high 90s or even touching 100 like a lot of guys can now. Uh, I highly recommend you check out JT's piece. He can he can break it down way better than I can about how Yarbrough has been good and what Rays fans can expect from him moving forward. But what I've appreciated is that he's just been a plug and play guy for the Rays throughout his young career. You know, you want him to start, he'll get it done. Uh, he was one out away from a complete game shutout last season at Safeco Field. Uh, before Kevin Cash rightfully pulled him from the game in a one-run game. I respect that decision, Kevin Cash. <laughs> That's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it was at the time. It'd be, everyone thought <laughs> Kevin Cash had lost the uh, the clubhouse at that point. Uh, that was wrong. But uh, you want long innings out of a guy like Ryan Yarbrough from the, out of the bullpen as a, as a headliner coming after an opener? He can do that too. Look at his game last year at Camden Yards. Uh, where him and Ryan Stanek almost combined for a perfect game. It took, I think, to two outs in the ninth inning. Uh, I, I think a lot of fans, and myself included, have kind of waited for the day that Ryan Yarbrough flares out and becomes what we think he will, just a run-of-the-mill left-handed pitcher that can't touch 90. Uh, but I'm really doubting whether that day will ever come. I think it's time that we all need to realize that Ryan Yarbrough is a damn good pitcher. And the sooner we realize it, that, that the better. Yeah, you, you, you love to see it. Um, you, 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 you touched on Yarbrough a little bit earlier um, in the reporting, and you mentioned Yanni Chirinos too. Um, I love that these the back-end guys have been performing better than, you know, the top three. You know, you, you, don't, you don't take too much stock into ERA this early in the season. Um, 
you know, because if a guy, for example, like Tyler Glasnow, he goes three innings, gives up two runs, that's an ERA of six, right? So you expect starters to give up runs. You don't, too, you don't put too much stock into the ERA right now. Um, ideally, you want the top three to be better than the last two, right? Um, but again, you know, with Yarbrough and Torinos, I think the love, you love the fact that they're doing so well. Um, they're completely different pitchers, right? Yarbrough's kind of that, you know, soft tossing, you know, cutter, four-seamer, curveball. He's going to throw you this, this, and that. He's going to throw you the kitchen sink. Um, Yanni Torinos has that um, sinker-slider-split combination that a lot of guys really aren't doing right now. Um, but he can dial it up to 95, 96. I think what the two have in common, though, even though they're completely different pitchers, that they both throw a ton of strikes and they both will throw any pitch at any count. And I love that about both of them. Um, Ryan Yarbrough, especially, yeah, I, I think that that's a good pick for player, uh, player pitcher of the week. Um, he's just been so good. Um, I hope to see it continue. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's – both of those guys, Yarbrough especially, um, I don't think you're going to see him – throwing after an opener anymore I think he's a legitimate major league starter and I think that's what he's going to be until he proves that he's not that anymore agreed the only time I could still see him used as a as a headliner as I like to call him on the show um maybe against the lineup like the Yankees where it's just really right-handed heavy and you don't want him to go two or three times through the order as quickly but he is definitely you know that's not a knock on Yarbrough in any way I think that's just a matchups thing he's definitely deserved the right to be called a full-time starter. And I think he trusts both Kevin Cash and Kyle Snyder to put him in positions to succeed because that's what they've done his entire career. And he's been so effective for the Rays since coming up uh, a couple of years ago. Now, what I want to just move on from the series against Boston. I think Darby also said it best in the Slack chat today, too, that you just got to forget about it and, and hope that this isn't a trend for the Rays and, and how poorly they've played uh, really for the past week after those two wins in the, at the Trop against Atlanta. Uh, but this week, it's not going to get that much easier. They've got the Yankees uh, this weekend. Before that, they've got the Red Sox coming off an off day on Monday and another off day on Thursday before the series against the Yankees. Uh, what do you think is something that the Rays need to do if they want to get back to winning ways this week? Um, well, first off, I think somebody mentioned it today in the Slack too. Uh, I can't think of a better day to have an off day than tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> just to kind of reflect and, uh, like you said, forget about what happened and, and, uh, kind of move on. Um, the Red Sox are not off to a great start either. Um, so I, I think that you, you take that into account. Um, again, it just, it, it matter. It, it comes down to, um, executing when you have the chances, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that just a lot of it is just a matter of chance. Um, just stringing together, you know, a couple of hits to score some runs, um, getting, you know, consistent, good pitching from both starters and relievers. Um, you know, I don't know how many more cliches I can say right now. <laughs> um, but they, you know, they just, they just, you know, they, they, they got to play better. Um, this team is talented. This team is deep. Um, and they just, they just, they, they just have to do it. Um, the, you know, the, I don't have a, like a magic formula for them. They just have to do it. 
Yeah, I agree. And the good news is about the Red Sox series, and it's only a two-game series, so you're not going to get to see a whole lot. But they might have worse pitching than Baltimore, uh, which is shocking given that the last <laughs> few years their rotation's been headlined by Chris Sale and David Price. Neither of those guys are pitching for the Red Sox this season or pitching for any team yeah. this season. Uh, but the Rays are going to see most likely Nathan Avaldi and, and Martin Perez uh, the Red Sox bullpen now has been a mess, and, and the New York Yankees, I think, put up nine runs on them again today at, at Yankee Stadium. So I think if you're looking for a chance for the Rays bats to, to find some consistency, get their feet underneath them, uh, bringing the Red Sox to town uh, to, to the drop, this might be the opportunity. And you hope it carries on because no matter how well the Rays pitch this weekend, they're going to need some offense because the Yankees are going to have a little bit, uh, especially with how well Aaron Judge is hitting. I think he's got six home runs in, in five games or something like that. Hopefully yeah, he cools down a little bit. Yeah, hopefully he cools down <laughs> a little bit uh, before uh, they come up against the Rays. It, it's hard. We're not going to go too in-depth into the pitching matchups when we'll break down these series because, I don't know, it's really hard to look too far ahead with just the feeling of impending doom uh, not only in the world or in this country, but within within Major League Baseball. Now, Brian, we talked a lot about the COVID-19 uh, pandemic in the last episode. I had Ian and Brett on last week when this Marlins news w- was still coming out. And we don't want to get too doom and gloom again, because I think we did a lot in the last episode. But how tough do you think it is for these players, you know, getting up every day, trying to win baseball games every day, when realistically everything could get shut down at any moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine how difficult it is because a lot of the things you see on TV um, and, you know, like I hate, I hate seeing people, you know, blaming the players for what's going on because a lot of things that they're doing, like high-fiving each other and like talking to each other and like slapping each other with gloves and whatever they don't mean to do any of that. You know what I mean? They're not trying to break protocol. A lot of that is just muscle memory, you know? Yeah, um, they've just sure. been doing that their entire careers, their entire lives. With that said, though, um, again, like, I, like, like you said, I don't want to get too doom and gloom, but I've been very openly team hashtag cancel the season. Um, you know, if, 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 uh, if, if I knew that there was a path to playing safe and competitive baseball, um, I'm on board. Um, I just don't know if I see that um, just because I, I just, I can't imagine the mental toll that it's taking um, on the players and the coaching staff and the stadium personnel. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. It, it's tough for me as a fan to watch, um, you know, because especially like, you know, opening weekend, Opening weekend was a, was a perfect example. You know, I was excited for opening day. It was a big distraction. You know, I, I, I bought into all of those narratives that, like, you know, sports bring us together and this, that, and the third, you know, and I fell for it. And then the Marlins things happened, and then, like, the human of me, the saner head in me was like, you know, man, I just don't know if this is worth it. Um, so I don't know if, if you're – I don't know what your take is. I don't know if it's changed. Um, but that's just kind of my, my take on it. I just, you know, I, it, it's, it's still just, it's, it's a, it's a battle of wills. You know what I mean? Like part of right. me right. as a baseball fan, I want to see it happen, but the human in me and also the baseball fan in me, like the, 
the, the, the part of me that doesn't want baseball to be played in 2020, you know, comes from me being a fan and loving baseball and like wanting it to thrive. And I would hate for a 2020 season to come at the expense of, you know, I'm not going to say it, but know where I'm going with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. And the, and the, the cancel the season take is a, you know, it's a valid opinion. There's a global pandemic going on. And as much yeah. as you and I both have enjoyed seeing the Rays and all these other teams play baseball again, I am just, you know, cherishing every moment we get of baseball in 2020 because it can oh, end. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it probably, you know, there's, there's a very good argument as to why it should not be happening. Uh, and, and we can look at these, these outbreaks, you know, with the Marlins and now potentially the uh, St. Louis Cardinals from a distance, but, and, and, and maybe this is not the right thing to do, but if that were to happen in the Rays clubhouse, I would feel very differently. And, and, and that's coming from a, you know, a diehard Rays fan, you know, I would, that would hurt me emotionally to know that Rays players were going through this, that they could have potentially spread it to their families or to their, you know, loved ones. And there's other people that are, that are working within the, the stadium and within baseball operations. And I'm kind of looking at the Marlins and Cardinals at a distance and not probably not taking it as seriously as it is because I'm not a fan of those teams, which is probably the wrong thing to say, but if it were to happen with the Rays, that, and I think, I think a lot of people are like that. It would ha- if it happened to their own team, they would have a completely different feeling. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, we're not predicting anything. We're not making those decisions on Raise Your Voice. Um, but it's definitely yeah. something that we, we need to talk about. And we need to talk about a lot because it is the top storyline uh, every single day in Major League Baseball. Um, but going back to, to how the Rays and Yankees, or how the, not the Yankees, how the Rays can come back against the Red Sox and the Yankees this week, get back in the win column, uh, one thing, and I hope he gets back into the lineup at some point this week, Austin Meadows. You're talking about a player that the Rays yeah. probably miss more than anyone else. Uh, Manuel Margot, not giving up on the guy, uh, but he, he, does, he just hasn't been good enough. And getting Austin Meadows back into the lineup is some, something that the Rays could really use. Another guy that, and I don't know when he's going to be ready, is Randy Arozarena. I've talked about Arozarena a lot on Raise Your Voice. Yep. I've said that he's a he's a you know a lock to be on the active roster for a lot of other big league clubs with the depth the Rays have and the depth the Rays have built in the outfield. He's almost a fringe player right now. And if he had started the season fully healthy, and I know I don't know it was I honestly don't know off the top of my head if it was a COVID related absence or if it was an injury related, but he is back in camp uh, down in Port Charlotte, and I wouldn't mind to see Randy Rosarena get a shot at some point in the near future. Yeah, I think uh, I think with Manuel Manuel Margot, um, I think his roster spot is kind of designed to be um, a Kevin Kiermeyer sort of platoon. He's um, not to say as good, but I think he he can he can rival Kevin Kiermeyer on the defense in certain aspects. Um, you don't expect either one of them to light it up with the bat. Um, but I think if you platoon the two of them in center field, I think you make both of their bats a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you definitely don't want Manuel Margot taking up a corner outfield spot, um, for an extended, extended period of time, because you definitely want more offense from those positions for sure. Um, so yeah, Austin Meadows, perfect segue, by the way, we're talking about, uh, <laughs> COVID-19. Then we talk about Austin Meadows. We, yeah, you, you definitely, you, you want to see him back. You want to see him in the lineup. Um, he's a little bit of a butcher in the, in the corner outfield, but, 
Um, with the bat, I, I think I think you take what he lacks in defense because you know he showed last year that he's definitely an elite hitter. I think he ended the season with something around a 140 WRC plus. Um, you 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 put him anywhere, I don't care with that number. Um, yeah. As far as uh, as far as Randy Rosarena, um, I definitely want to see what he's got. Um, fun fact about me is that I used to live in Memphis. Um, and I used to go to Memphis Redbirds games, which is a AAA affiliate for the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So I've seen him play a few times. And I remember watching him, and I was like, this dude is something. Um, he can go get him. He can hit. He's kind of a smaller guy. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those guys that you can reasonably expect that he can at least be a league average hitter. And we know that for a center fielder, that is very valuable, something that we – haven't really had with Kevin Kiermaier. I mean, his, his defense is so elite that you, you take, you take the lack of offense from him, but you know, if you can get a guy with comparably good defense, you know, for a longer period of time um, and can at least be a league average, maybe a little bit above that hitter. Um, you know, I think, I think we may have that with Randy Rosarain and I'm excited to see him come up pretty soon. So am I, and Brendan McKay is another guy that I'd love to see get in the mix at some point. Don't know what his role will be. I, I think the two-way player experiment – not experiment. Uh, the two-way player uh, part of Brendan McKay's career might be coming to an end just because I don't know how he would fit in the lineup. The Rays already have a ton of left-handed bats, and I think I really view him as a pitcher more than anything else. Brian, you know, Brendan McKay, do you think he has a, you know, a future still in the Rays organization as, as both a position player and a pitcher? Um, I, I think, I think it's hard to say. I think, um, I think it's possible. The, the, the issue is, um, that if he were to go on this path of being both a pitcher and a position player, um, I think that he would still be a little ways away. Um, I think that what happened was last year, the Rays needed a pitcher and we saw that his arm was so far ahead of his bat. And I think that's still the case. So if you're the Rays, do you kind of continue this experiment and hope that his bat catches up? Or do you kind of commit to him being a two-way player, but that means spending more time in the minor leagues to kind of brush that up? Um, But then again, like you need his arm now. So I think think it's going to be a tough decision. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to develop him. Um, I think the bat is there, but right now it's just – He's, he's a major league arm today. He was a major league arm when the Rays called him up last year. I don't think that he's a major league bat today, and I think that's what the issue is right now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they develop him going forward. I think there's a chance maybe he's more of like a Michael Lorenzen. He's primarily a pitcher, but he's going to pinch hit every once in a while. Um, the difference between him and, say, a guy like Shohei Otani, o- Otani was that, you know, Otani's an elite hitter and an elite pitcher both right now at the same time, whereas McKay is not that. Um, he's an above-average major league pitcher. He's probably a triple-A hitter. So mm. you, you, need, you need some time for those two to meet each other. Like I said, I don't know how the Rays are going to navigate that, but I think nonetheless it's going to be interesting. Um, I think in a season like this, he's probably going to only pitch just because mm-hmm. of the expanded roster and things like that. Um, but it'll be exciting to see where they go with it in 2021 and beyond. 
Yeah, not having the minor league season this year, too, I think also probably not hurts his development, but hinders it a little bit in terms of getting at bats. I know they're going to do some some scrimmages and simulated games at the, at the alternate site at Port Charlotte. But, yeah, you yeah. wonder what the future looks like for McKay with missing a, you know, a, a full season of development here. Um, but it'll be interesting to follow. Before we wrap it up, Brian, uh, two off days this week, Monday and Thursday. Now, that's generally good for the, the bullpen and the pitching staff to get fully rested you know, and, and get everyone ready for these big series. Is that good for a team that's struggling at the plate, that the, the, the off days might throw off any rhythm that they might be trying to garner? Um. I, I, I'm not sure. I think the, I think the off days, I, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that could be any worse than what's going on. Um, I think the <laughs> off days, I think the off days can only help. Um, they can reset mentally. Um, they can maybe watch some video. Um, I'm not sure what goes on on off days. Maybe they can, I don't know, spend a day, you know, you know, I was going to say in the city, but no, that's not happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we hope not. At least um, we hope not. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we hope not. Maybe maybe just a day at home just to kind of relax. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't think that the off days can hurt. Um, I'm not sure how beneficial they'll be, but I don't think they can make things any worse. Uh, maybe they just need to watch the video and kind of figure out what's going on and, you know, Maybe it's just they, they just haven't put it all together yet. I mean, that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm going with. They just haven't put it all together yet. <laughs> you mentioned a day at home. When the Rays were on this five-game road trip, this is when Major League Baseball was implementing these new protocols uh, surrounding COVID-19, pretty much where the guys couldn't leave the hotel when they're on the road. And we talk about the human aspect of the game a lot on this show that's tough on, on these guys. You know, they, they are pretty much quarantined, go to the ballpark, go back to be back at home, to be back, you know, with any family they have that they're living with currently um, at home. That's a huge difference. I think in a mentality and in the Rays, yeah. they just felt sluggish on this road trip. So to get back home, to get a night back in your own beds. I know the Rays were killers on the road last year. They, they played amazing baseball and then they struggled at the trop here and there. So this is probably an opposite scenario, though. I'm, I'm glad they're coming home. Uh, you, you hope that they can figure it out on the next road trip, but while they're back in St. Pete, rack up as, as many wins as possible. Uh, that is going to do it for, for this week's episode of Raise Your Voice. Next week's episode probably going to come out on Tuesday rather than Monday. You know, Sunday, the day I usually record the show, is my 21st birthday, and in all honesty – I do not plan on or want to record on that day, and hopefully the Rays will be playing the Yankees. Uh, so slight change in schedule there. I just wanted to be completely transparent with that. Uh, a big thank you to Brian Menendez for hopping on the show again today and providing some great insight, uh, as he always does. So, so thank you, Brian. Yeah, for sure. Uh, happy birthday. Uh, have thank fun. You. Don't, don't waste your 21st. only happens once. Right. Um, and, yeah, again, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. I, I always love coming on, so hopefully I can be on again soon. And you are welcome on anytime. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, my 21st this year, I'll be spending it indoors. Uh, it's an unfortunate year to turn 21. But hopefully the Rays and the Yankees are still on for next Sunday and I can sit and, and enjoy uh, the game with a beverage or two if I choose uh, on Sunday afternoon. If you subscribe to this podcast feed, you'll get new episodes of this show and the hit show 
download it directly to your device. The Hit Shows, we're headed towards the end of the Greatest Rays player bracket. They've been putting out some great stuff over there, Danny, Brett, and Darby. Uh, rating and reviewing this podcast, if your platform allows it, is the best way to continue spreading what we do to more and more Rays fans. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.